Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Founders Craft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gonzalez. And on this show today, we're going to talk about strategy and what it means to really understand where strategy fits in the grand scheme of your day-to-day operations within your business. And joining me on the show today is my good friend, Lauren Shippey. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Love working with you and just excited to talk about strategy today. Yes, yes. And so one of the things that I wanted to share with the audience was just a little bit about um, who you are. And then later in the show, we'll talk um, what this concept of identity-based strategy, what it's all about. So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I had an entrepreneurial family. My uh, my family, my grandfather and my father both had uh, auto dealerships. So for years, we were just in that space where at the dinner table, we were talking about business, right? So I just grew up with that ingrained in me. And so it was something that I just couldn't shake. And, And all through school, I just always had a passion for startups and for what makes businesses work and always just had this passion to figure out what it was. I wanted to crack the code. I was really passionate about finding that right combination of elements that would lead to success. And so that was really where my passion came from. And I pursued that right out of college by working for a real estate private equity firm. And and in that it was such a great experience. I always tell people this. It ended up failing because it was during the economic crash, right, of 2008. And so the market. Oh, I remember that. Yes. We're in real estate, not a good place to be. No. Um, yeah. And it failed. But through that, I learned so much. They say a lot of times you learn more from failures than you do from success, right? And so I saw that firsthand. It was first job out of college. I worked everything, operations, sales, marketing, even accounting and financials. I was doing the auditing. And so kind of worked my way up to COO um, over time. And then I co-founded a family investment office over 10 years ago um, from that experience. And we've got a portfolio of over over 20 startup companies. And we're 10 years into this. So we've done the due diligence on all of these companies across multiple sectors, which has been really fascinating to see and Mm -hmm. to track um, what works, what doesn't, what dynamics, what people dynamics are successful and what aren't. So I think just it's brought me this holistic perspective um, of entrepreneurship and all of the different facets that create success or failure. So that's that really a, where I come from. And then a couple of years ago, I launched StoryWork because I wanted to be on the other side. Exactly. Yeah. And so that, that really makes sense on how, um, you know, especially when you're working with your family, family office, it gives you such a huge overview of, you know, what startups are doing, some of the trends and patterns you're seeing across the sectors. Now, thinking about um, identity-based strategy, which is something that you coined launching StoryWork, um, yeah. and then also the Strategy Masterclass. And I'd love for you at the end of the show to share uh, with the audience how they can find out more about it. But um, let's let's unpack this topic of identity-based strategy. So what is identity-based strategy? Um, and how does it differ from uh, something else that people might be familiar with? Yeah, definitely. First off, I, th- I think... Um, People are not focused on strategy as a central component, always entrepreneurs um, in this space. They're focused on creating business plans, fundraising, and executing, right? Um, But when I was thinking about it, you know, and, and through watching all of these entrepreneurs, I thought, I think who they are as people is just as important as what they're building. So identity-based strategy, there's really two levels of it. So the first question that we ask is, who are you? 
what makes you the way you are and the way that you tick. So that could be you as an individual if you're a solopreneur, or it could be your company. What is the company's identity? And then what is the identity of what you are producing or offering to the world? And if you don't understand that first, and then how you serve your customer and their identities, uh -huh. then nothing else will flow, right? So that's the core of the strategy there. That's the core of identity-based strategy. And I just felt like a focus on that was missing, right? Uh -huh. So I really feel like identity-based strategy is the attempt to restore us to looking at identity first and deriving our strategy from that place. That makes a lot of sense. And it reminds me a little bit of like, uh, for example, the Enneagram, right? Because yes. the Enneagram is, is such, a, such a huge eye opener for me, especially when I went through it, uh, reading um, yeah. Ian Cron's book, Road Back to You. And he talks a little bit right. about it's, it's hard to um, really live in a society when you don't know, uh, really contribute meaningfully to society when you don't know yeah. who you are and the yeah. narrative that you're living. And it sounds like, again, identity-based strategy has a, a similar kind of perspective uh, yeah. If you as a company uh, aren't really clear on who you are, uh, how can you add value to what your customers are ultimately trying to accomplish or do or achieve in the world? So yes. um, what would be an example that you've seen um, entrepreneurs that you've worked with, how they've integrated this knowledge of identity-based strategy? I, I think of one of the entrepreneurs in our strategy masterclass, um, she has been in business for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. She is a coach. She's a health coach. And... I think that she got lost on the rabbit trail of tactics, like we often do, right? So we're trying to be all things to all people and we're just doing, right, without reflecting first strategically and then acting. Right. So she had four different brands, okay? She had four different brands that really were all encompassing and were all mm. about health and about health coaching. And she was really just doing one thing, but she was trying to serve too many people. So once we talked through really who she was at the core and who she wanted to serve very clearly, she merged all of those brands into one clear, wow. consolidated voice. Yeah. And so that is now shaped her messaging that has transformed everything for her. And she's been in business for 10 years. I mean, this yeah. isn't like, you know, she's a first year entrepreneur and not really sure. I mean, this stuff happens every day. It happens yeah. everywhere. People get lost without strategy and without looking at who they are first and who they're serving first. It happens to big corporations. We've seen it. Yes. Why, what causes this? For example, you know, you and I, we've worked with many organizations together in both of our yes. consulting background, and we've seen this trend, right, where mm -hmm. um, organizations often focus on the tactic and yes. sometimes forget to zoom out and understand the strategic. Uh, what, what, what do you believe causes that from your perspective? Oh man, I have seen this so many times and I've, I've seen it with large organizations that we've worked with and then, and then I've also seen it with our entrepreneurs. And I've thought a lot about this and I think that it comes down to mindset. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times we are in this world where we are constantly bombarded with so much content, with so many devices, right? And without guards or limits, or filters, we are not able to reflect before acting. And I guess I'm always coming back to this, reflect and then act. And this is part of what we talk about in the strategy masterclass is really just this ability to set those parameters in place so that you are making space yeah. to reflect first before acting. I think that 
it can get so chaotic that we, when, when things get chaotic and we experience overwhelm, we try to clear our plates. And we try to clear our plates by checking off things on our to-do list. And that leads us to tactics, not yeah. strategy, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think I, that it's a lack of probably white space time, mm -hmm. reflection, and that's probably the, the, really the key components. And we've gotta learn how to do this as leaders as CEOs and as teams as well. I mean, this isn't really practiced in teams and organizations, really, mm -hmm. that I've seen, you know? So I think that would be a really key component for teams to implement. How can they take white space time together? I, I absolutely agree. And I've seen this also in, in the organizations that I've worked with from time to time where um, sometimes we lose sight of the big picture, where we're going, or sometimes yep. where we want to go feels so far out of reach that yes. we often make smaller goals to achieve a uh, strive towards, which is good. But sometimes yeah. those goals turn into just tactics that give us short term outcomes that we yes. want to uh, feel good about. Right. And feel like we're making yep. progress. When in, yep. in fact, we're actually spinning our hamster wheel on just remaining busy. Right. Because right. we're just implementing a tactic after a tactic after a tactic, but it's not really driving us towards that north star. Uh, that know, we set out to start. This makes me think of social media for a lot of people. I see a yeah. lot of entrepreneurs feeling like, I've got to keep up. I've got to keep up with this content wheel, with this hamster wheel of just constantly churning things out, right? And and so we encourage people in their messaging strategy mm -hmm. to really reflect on, well, first, when they once they know who they are, once they have that solid identity, then their messaging comes from that as the outflow yeah. of that, right? But then really encourage them to think through their channels really intentionally. Mm -hmm. How many, I'm guilty of this. How many times have you just, oh, I gotta get something out. Like, I gotta get some content, oh, yeah. I gotta push it out. Instead of stopping and thinking about what is going to matter, like publishing articles on LinkedIn instead of just resharing posts, for example, right. Right? right? There are so many different areas that we can think through this to really be intentional about our movement. When we have clarity about our, our movement, um, that is success. And so that was where the strategy masterclass was born because I felt like I went through all of these things personally. So I went through establishing and reading everything I could get my hands on with habits and routines, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, Brendan Bouchard, uh, James Clear is another big one, Michael Hyatt, right? All yes. of those gurus and experts and taking that in and distilling that into what really worked for me. And um, so getting solid in that in that foundation and and then really identity, just understanding myself. The Enneagram has been huge, like you mentioned earlier, really understanding my personality, how I operate and how that um, allows me to serve. Yeah. And um, and the things that I've been through in life, I think a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, maybe don't have or haven't taken the time maybe to reflect on what they've been through and how it shaped them. So mm. what I've been able to do, which is really incredible, is create a process that people can walk through um, to unpack the things that they've been through, experiences, um, hardships and triumphs and how that has shaped them. And usually it impacts the identity of the brand or the company um, yeah. that they're creating, right? Yeah all else should flow from that oh, absolutely. So that's foundation yeah because at yeah. the end of the day you know you're you're you start a business to to do a couple of things right you want to solve a problem 
and then be paid or compensated for how well you solve that problem. And that's mm. one of the reasons why I love uh, the American economy, the, 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 the capitalistic market where, you know, mm. if you aren't solving a problem well, uh, the yep. market will tell you and yep, put you out of out. business, right? There's there's no other way to do it, right? Um, and so when you don't know your customer, it's hard to really understand and measure how well you're solving their problem. And that's one of the reasons why uh, you and I both uh, preach uh, everything around user personas and yes. even user journeys. Because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, whether you have a, a an app or a business with a service, um, there is a path, there is a journey that your customer is on. And yeah. um, one of the things I love about what, you, what you're doing with the Strategy Masterclass is you're helping people zoom out and understand the big picture around what is the, the story or identity that your customer is living yeah. and where does your business fall in the whole grand scheme of things, right? Yes. Because we often, as business leaders, just focus on the problem we solve and where we come into the story. But we exactly. forget all of the other touch points that our customer That's is twisting and turning and climbing and walking around just to, yep. um, you know, just live their life. And yes. when you know where that your business comes into that story or that journey, then That's you right. can fine tune all the other components outside of that um, uh, relationship that your customer has with you. Uh, yes. So okay. I want to I shift gears a little bit and I, I want to dive into a, a section within the Strategy Masterclass. Um, now we know that you have three major sections within the class and, and uh, one of the areas that stood out to me was the idea of defining your fuel. And yeah. um, a big one is fear, right? Fear is a yeah. huge holdback that many people experience. Uh, and there's a lesson that you have in there called um, fear is a liar. What, yeah. what, let's unpack that a little bit. What, what's the story behind that? And, and uh, what are some of the things that people can learn uh, just from that that topic? I love that. That's Fear, um, I think this was a personal lesson. This is something that I had learned. I. I experienced fear in every step of my journey. So every new job or career that I took on, and many people don't see the side of me, right? They think, oh, you've done this and you've done that and have this experience. And, you know, I think that is, that's a lie because yeah. fear, I've experienced fear every part of the way. Every time I push myself to do something new, even when I released the strategy masterclass after 10 years of working in this space and doing all the things, right? I experience fear and I still will every time I launch, every time I do something new, every time I speak. And um, I think it's something that is not talked about enough um, and connected with our businesses. So yeah. as we grow, right? So we experience, we all experience like personal fears, right? Maybe in our family or in our lives or things that that we're afraid of. Um, and it seems like it's not an okay thing just to just to talk about it freely. And and I think it should be because fear yeah. really is a liar. And I think when we can take out fear, we make space for all that we could be and that mm. all that we are meant to walk in. So. Yeah. When I removed fear, I was really able to realize that I am I am supposed to be doing this right here, right now, and fear will not stand in the way. It just yeah. won't. And I don't allow it to stand in the way. You know, and I and I think there's times where we can realize that fear creeps back in, right? And we have to know how to keep combating it. So one of the things we talk about in the strategy masterclass, along with how to combat it, and it it a lot of it comes from reflection and identification because yeah. as soon as we can identify it and call it out, then we can move forward, right? And yes. work through yeah. it. I think that's huge. Um, but I think, 
you know, a lot of people can write it off and say, oh, I'm not, I've been through that. I've been through that stage, you know, where I launched it and I was fearful and now I'm over it. But the truth of the matter is every time we do new things, we will experience fear. So you might be at a new height, right? And, and another new height and another new height. And each time you reach a new height, you're going to be experiencing new fears. Yeah. So it's yeah. never going to go away. So the concepts, uh, you know, in the strategy masterclass are timeless. Mm-hmm. And they really are to be used as a constant reset button. You could almost use this as a quarterly review. Once yeah. you've been through it, you could use this as your checkpoint every quarter to say, okay, I'm going to take inventory. What fears am I experiencing right now? You know, am I connected with my customer now? Let's just, you know, say yeah. part of Like, so all of these tools can be used over and over again. And I'm, I use them personally in I my life that. as checkpoints. Yeah, and, and what you said, you know, fear always creeps up at the beginning of something that you're that you're getting ready to do that's new. Very often, fear is deep-seated in a lie that yes. we hold on to and, and yes. believe as truth. And, yes. and you and I know that um, fear is false evidence appearing real. Yes. And we know that lies are, are can sometimes contain components of truth with yep. distortion uh, yes. wrapped all into it. And therefore we're sometimes uh, putting more of our weight and our trust in the fear uh, and the lie than we do yes. the truth and even patterns of success that we've experienced beforehand. And yes. so um, that's, I, I believe that, you know, every time that we're getting ready to do something worthwhile, something that's uh, noteworthy, if you will, uh, that's mm-hmm. going to make an impact in the world, fear yes. is always the first person to tell you, you can't. It is. Or it is. You don't have what it takes, or yep. the timing's not right, or you don't have the resources, or the list goes on. Yes. Um, that's a huge, huge piece. Now, another thing that you talk about in the a strategy map, uh, in, especially in the the third module, you talk a lot yep. about um, you know the simplified business plans, right? Yes. And one of the things about business plans that a lot of people um, are now hearing more and more about is the idea of a lean business plan. Can we yes. talk a little bit about what that looks like and how you've seen uh, the entrepreneurs you've worked with implement that? Absolutely. I think the you know the simplified business plan is just distilling this long 30 page business plan that we think of down to one sheet and not that the long form business plan is not good there is value mm-hmm. in that if someone is just starting out or you know raising capital as as a startup people want to see that but the one sheet really lays it all out on one piece of paper. So even the work that we do with the user personas in the beginning and the ecosystem mapping where we really identify the different markets, yeah. right, in the go-to-market strategy within that are all then put on this one sheet of paper. And it just provides this crystal clear clarity when you see the people that you're serving right next to the channels, how you're going to reach them, yeah. and next to your key value proposition right so what is it that you're really offering these people and mm-hmm. you can draw lines across this and you can start to connect dots so I, the, the greatest value that I would I would say as a result of doing this is that you will connect dots and the 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 practice of connecting dots is key in becoming a good strategist 
Yeah. And becoming a good strategist is the key to becoming a good entrepreneur. Does that make exactly. sense? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, there, yeah, because at the end of the day, when you look at a business plan, a traditional business plan, especially if it's, um, let's say, 30, 40, 50 pages, um, it's hard to reference what nuances need to change, especially as you're identifying your sustainable, profitable market, right? Because, yes. you know, you might have set assumptions around who you're serving or set assumptions around the value proposition. Yeah. Uh, and then as you're learning the nuances within the user journeys and even expanding your user personas, the people you're serving, uh, it does impact all of the other components. And that's one of the things I love about what you cover in that uh, that section. Uh, one last thing I'd love to cover is, um, and we can touch on this a little bit, um, blue ocean strategy, right? I know that's yeah. had a huge impact on, on, on your business and, yes. and what you're seeing and how you coach and advise uh, other um, entrepreneurs. But let's just talk a little bit about what is what is blue ocean strategy? Uh, why is it important? And what are some of the, what's a key takeaway we can we can implement from a blue ocean strategy? Yes, absolutely. I love the Blue Ocean Strategy Framework. And um, if for those of you that haven't read it, Blue Ocean Shift is an incredible read with lots of examples of this, but they've really done an amazing job of implementing this across organizations all over the world. And the key, the really the key takeaway from this is to look across industries to see opportunities. A lot of times we are, maybe we're a solopreneur or a, you know an entrepreneur that is in one space, right? In one market and we're just focused on that market. We're focused on the competition. We're focused on, oh man, this competitor seems to be riding my coattails or you know, what can I do to beat this competitor, outperform this com competitor? And what we talk about in the masterclass is how to become a game changer, not an outperformer. And Blue Ocean Strategy really defines that for people yeah. because it teaches them methods and we talk about them the, really the, the most important ones, in my opinion, in the Strategy Masterclass, that let them not outperform the market, but literally just become a game changer and create their own blue ocean space. Yeah. So instead of operating in a red ocean filled with competitors, you're carving out a niche in your space to truly change the game, right? And yeah. who doesn't want to do that? I mean, that is incredible. And I, I'm reminded of um, the story of the Popsicle Hotline. You know the story, right? Yes, there's a, yeah. There's a famous um, hotel out in California, and it's not a very fancy hotel, right? It's just very plain Jane. There's nothing really special about it. But when you're sitting by the pool, you will um, see an old school red phone that you can pick up, right, and ring the front desk. And, and a popsicle will be delivered to you on a silver platter, right, a moment later. Love and that. And so because they've done this, because they've done this one thing, their hotel has had articles upon articles written about it, worldwide exposure. People go there just for the popsicle hotline. Yes. I mean, seriously, how much did the popsicle hotline cost them to implement? <laughs> yeah, not barely not anything. Yeah. Very much at all. But this one idea changed them, transformed them from being a hotel competing with the other area hotels to carving out their, their own niche, right? Yes, and sometimes it just takes um, thinking outside of the box, being able to zoom out and kind of look at 
again, understanding your customer, knowing yes. kind of what they're going through, what they're, what would uh, be an aha moment or a moment of delight for them, right? Yes. Delight and it also is just, huge. it just, it takes just being willing to do something that other people haven't done before, even Absolutely. if it's so simple. I feel like yep. sometimes we overcomplicate innovation or uh, customer experience, and we think that we always have to be the most technologically advanced company or, yeah. um, yep. you know, have all of these out of the box, you know, crazy immersive, you know, screens and devices and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And really yeah. something as simple as the popsicle hotline can be the thing that differentiates you out of the rest Absolutely. of your competition. It doesn't take a lot that. of money and it doesn't even take a lot of time sometimes. And this is why we walk through those journey maps, right? Mm -hmm. Where we map out really from the moment they discover you to the moment that they they leave you and hopefully they don't right because hopefully it's just a continuous loop like you've talked oh, a yeah. lot about um but but mapping that out and what they're thinking what they're feeling what they're experiencing by moment allows you to identify those pockets where you can insert delight so yes. what is your popsicle moment like what is your popsicle hotline moment and anybody can create that anybody one of the things I want to ask you is, what is your opinion on the, the travel industry, right? You and I, uh, as a consultants, uh, we have to travel. We work remotely. But yes. um, we were talking kind of a couple of days ago around, you know, if I could get a chance to reinvent or reimagine the travel industry, um, there are some key things I'd like to do. What, what were some things that you kind of envisioned uh, if you could really get your hands on the travel industry? What aspect of it? I love this. And I really want you to share your feedback here too, because it's so good. But, you know, I think we travel a lot and there's always the schlepping of the suitcases, right? Yes. So there's the, the packing and then there's the schlepping to the airport and you have to be here this early and you've got to take this, this and that out of your bag. And oh, yeah. you know, you've got to, I mean, there's so many things, all the things, right? And so, you know, I think through what would happen if we started from scratch and we journey mapped out the travel experience, right? Yeah. From the moment that you book your ticket, even things like when you book your ticket, if it includes a coupon to for a free pastry or a free coffee, <laughs> like I'm delighted. A partnership yes. with Starbucks, that's a dream. Or yes. Dunkin' Donuts, wherever's at the airport, the nearest airport, right? So you know that you have something to look forward to when you get there because no one wants to wait that long, right? Oh yeah. They're working on the security line, but even the check-in process. You know, what if you checked in on your mobile device from the parking lot and you didn't even have to go, if you're not taking any luggage, if you didn't even have to go up there at all. You're yeah. just checked in and there's no barriers, right? There's no barriers to entry. Even the security process, I mean, think through how it could not feel like a cattle call. Oh, I don't know, maybe they could, what, what else could they do? I mean, do we have to have rope lines? Like, is there something new and fun that we could do with that? So yes, there's a company yeah. called OTG. Are you familiar with OTG? Like, I've heard um, of them, I'm not quite familiar with them, no. OTG is reinventing airport experiences. And what they're focused on is really the restaurants. And they are focused okay. on blending the terminal seating mm -hmm. with more like high tops with iPads and merging the restaurant atmosphere with the terminals. So they're kind of doing away with That's traditional smart. terminals. They're yeah. adding even like um, nice windows that feel more like home, yeah. right? 
But I think that there could be a lot more done even in the security lines, in the oh, ticket yeah. areas. Like, how can they make it a more concierge style, concierge approach? Um, you know, I think there's a lot that could be reimagined there. Even getting on the plane, the yes. cattle call, right? The Okay, if you're in section, you know, <laughs> A, you know, you now board the plane. Maybe, yes. Maybe there is a different way to do that. How could they do it easier? How could they break I, you it know, up? It makes me think because when you think about um, the airport and the relationship they have with the air carriers and all of the activity that happens to, one, keep the airport operating efficiently, safely and securely, and then also, yeah. um, you know, move that volume of people. There are a lot of moving parts to it. A lot of but moving I, parts. I, I wonder, you know, what type of research is being done to really look at the integration of all of those components. Um, yeah. I'll tell a personal story. I was traveling with my wife. We were coming back from uh, one city and it seems like the whole world connects in Atlanta, right? Yes. Because it's like the hub of everything. No matter where you fly, it's like, we have to yeah. go back to Atlanta. No, oh, you're going to China? Oh, we got to go connect, connect in Atlanta <laughs> and then go to China. It's like, you know, that's the hub for everything. Mm -hmm. And um, so we get off our plane and we had 30, 40 minutes to connect to, another, uh, to the next flight and uh, the trains went down. Right. Oh. And so if you if you know the Atlanta oh. Hartsville Jack Jackson yeah. Airport, the trains are everything because they are the, the airport is huge. It's your um, only shot at making only your shot. <laughs> yes. And so we get off our plane, we walk down to the escalators where the trains are, and we see everyone, just the whole world standing still and it was just some wall to wall people and we're like, What's going on? you know? And so we kind of work our way to go to the train and we realize that it says out of order you know, trains are down. We're like, no, right? And, and so, and the way it always works is when you land in the airport, you're always in the furthest terminal away from where oh, you need to go. absolutely. Always, yes. right? And you yes. always have the shortest window of um, time to transfer. And so we start walking to, you know, from Terminal T all the way to wherever it, was, wherever it is that we had to go. And we get upstairs and we see the um, people at the desk and they basically recently just shut the door. And oh so we're, we see the plane, it's sitting outside yep. and the, the person is still there. They're typing yeah. on their computer and we go, Hey, yeah. the trains are down, you know, we're here. Can you let us on? And they said, I'm sorry, sir. Once, no, the, door, once the door is closed, you can't get on. And I'm like, what in the world? And so the whole, that whole experience uh, was a nightmare. And even within that process, I called the airline to let them know that the trains were down yep. and the, the, uh, customer service reps had no idea the trains were down. I called the airport trying to see if I can get in touch with the um, the gate to talk yep. and tell them to hold it and let them know I'm coming. There was no way to get in touch with the gate. So there's Nothing. this Nothing. disparate connection, disconnection between the actual plane, the gate, the airport, yes. and the customer. And yeah. I would love to see some sort of an innovation that gives you um, that transparency to know what's happening on the ground at that airport yes. that you're landing in, whether it's weather Absolutely. or uh, an infrastructure meltdown. Yep. Plus have the ability as a customer, a paying customer, yes. to talk to the actual airline down to the gate and Absolutely. have that reassurance that I'm heard, I'm seen. Uh, and I believe if they just even improve that component, uh, we're gonna see so many things uh, improved in the, in the airline industry for sure. Agreed.
Agreed. I think, again, it's just going back to, you know, and it always comes back to this, um, really going back to the customer experience and what it looks like and how not only could they improve technology, because we have the technology to do this. It just it just really has to be utilized. And the the systems and services have to be combined and they have to talk to each other. Right. So that's very possible. It just has to be mapped out from the customer's perspective and integrated into the system. But I also think there's so much room for the moments of delight in yes. travel as well. I, th- I think there's so much that can be done there that may not even cost a lot of money, even mm-hmm. like the inline activities or whatever it is. Yeah. It just adds those moments of more lightheartedness. And, you know, you've seen this on some airlines where they, they tell the jokes and they try to make it like lighthearted, yes. which yeah. is fun. But I think there's a lot that could be done even at the terminal, in the line, upon check-in, you know, um, luggage services, things like that that could be added. Yeah, Yeah, there was an airline that was recently acquired um, by Alaskan Airlines. Uh, It was one of my favorites, it was Virgin Air. And I felt like that they did a, um, have you ever flown them? very much. Yes, or, yes yeah. they're amazing. Especially in their heyday when they um, used to have their connection between San Francisco and Fort Lauderdale. I felt like mm-hmm. that route was a lifesaver, especially doing business in Silicon yes. Valley back and forth. Yes. But one thing I loved about that airline was that, you know, not only did the terminals themselves um, that their airline was in feel different. They had better quality food. You know, the, yes. the design itself was just better. Um, even the quality of patrons in the terminal were just yeah. would be different. Much, yeah, yeah, just different. For sure. And uh, one thing I loved about it was that they had the music. And it was just you know so relaxing, and oh, everyone man. was just so laid back and welcome, and it was just really wonderful that whole experience. Um, but then when they were acquired, I know that they're in transition right now and they're merging, but. When they, yeah. they, when they were acquired by the other airline that purchased them, um, that airline was known to be more of a budget airline, more yes. of a frugal Completely airline. Completely different feel. And it just ruined the entire experience because, yeah. uh, you know, even the stewardess on the plane didn't really greet you when you came on. It was just kind of like, get in, get in your seat. And it yeah, just... it reminds me of like the Aldi experience if we're talking, like comparing it to grocery yeah, store. Right? Yeah, Aldi experience where you have to put the quarter in for the cart. Oh my gosh, you know, yes. you're, you're on your own to yeah. you know, the Whole Foods experience where you're yes. shopping more premium brands, there's mm-hmm. more services available, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, it makes me think even by airline, if there were, or one like for example this airline i mean if they were to have tiered pricing you know according to experience what would people pay for and i know that i would probably be much more apt to pay the premium price to get that experience to get real food to you know to feel more human than systematized right and so there's something that can be said for that as well, you know, paying Absolutely. for the experience. And I think people would do it. I love that. And so for those of you who are listening to this segment, um, I encourage you to go to the thestrategymasterclass.com. And uh, she opens up enrollment uh, periodically. So if you're the lucky one to find that the enrollment is open, grab your seat. Yeah. Because she provides so many resources that are going to help you no matter what stage you are within your, your company. If you are, mm-hmm. you know, within the first 10 years of your business, 
business or even you're looking to make some uh, strategic changes uh, in the customers you're targeting or the services you're providing, yeah. she really covers a lot of that in the Strategy Masterclass. And uh, I've been through the course. It is incredible. You're going to find a lot of value in that. Lauren, thanks for joining us on the show today. And um, where can people find you and or follow you uh, on social media? Sure. So I'm on Twitter um, at GoStoryWork, and we're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at StoryWork. So you can find us there and stay tuned. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on, Mike. It's been a blast. Awesome. Thanks again. Well, that concludes another episode of the Founders Craft Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to hear your feedback. Go to AskMikeGonzalez.com. There you will find the ability to leave a comment and join the conversation in the community. Also, I'd love to interact with you. If you have social media, you could find me at Mike Gonzalez on Instagram. Send me a direct message. Follow me. Would love to chat with you there. That is all for the show today. Until next time.